some people say that one of the important benefits of mikvah is that during those two weeks when you're not being physical, when you're not being sexual, you really learn to, yeah, to, to, to deal with each other as, uh, as non-sexual beings. Because as you get older, the sexual part of the relationship is not as important and is not as, and then you really need to be just people with each other. And, uh, and you haven't learned to do that because, uh, because you've been so completely absorbed in the sexual part of the relationship. But um, again, on a deeper level, it's not just that you learn to talk to each other without getting sexual. It's that, it's that you learn to keep the male and female um, energies where they belong and not let it carry over into every aspect of your life. So the very fact that just talking could create sexual energy, that's the problem. In and of itself, it's a problem because the, 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 the observance of the laws of mikvah is the practice of keeping that energy away from other parts of your life. The whole idea of exile, of Golos, is on a spiritual level like the two weeks when the husband and wife are separated. So in our relationship with God, there's the time when we're together with God in, in Israel. And then there's the time when we go into exile and we are separated for a... Uh, Symbolic two weeks. Turns out to be 2,000 years. <laughs> but that's, that's the... Uh, any, anything that goes on in marriage, and maybe we'll, we'll spend some time on evening on this. Anything that goes on between a man and a woman is basically a reflection of what's going on between God and us. So the separation between a husband and a wife is a reflection of the separation between God and us. So any explanation you're going to give for mikvah has got to apply to God as well. Why does God have to be separate from us for two weeks? A long, a long two weeks. So if you really un want to understand mikvah, we have to understand the whole idea of, of exile and redemption. And the idea of tumah is a hulk. The whole idea of cleanliness or uncleanliness is a mystical thing that we don't understand. But given that that's a mystical thing, what does it do to the husband and wife? How do you handle it? How do you, you know, what... Uh, that's true. There's there's even an explanation for why some laws don't have an explanation. <laughs> so does the mystical element of things try to do do that do exactly that, try to explain the unexplainable? Well, well what what she's saying is that ultimately the mystical will remain unexplained. But but the mysticism in Torah is trying to at least familiarize us with some of the mystical stuff, even though in the end we still won't understand it. But at least we'll be familiar with it. 
So even to know that on a mystical level there's something going on. Okay, so we don't understand, but at least at least we know that there's more than meets the eye, which is also important. Yeah, but but you have to be mystical to understand mystical things. And we don't want to be too mystical. Why? <laughs> I think we prefer being physical. We prefer being physical. It's like the people, the, the Jews in the desert, complained about the food that fell from heaven. They weren't just being crabby. The food that fell from heaven was too mystical. It wasn't, it wasn't real food, and they were be, and and living on on that kind of a diet, they were becoming mystical. And and that wasn't right. Have you seen anybody who's mystical? Do <laughs> you know anybody who's mystical? If you knew them, you wouldn't want to be that way. Not it's not it's not. No, no. It just means otherworldly. You don't want to be otherworldly. God doesn't want you to be otherworldly. He has angels. He doesn't need more mystical things running around. Um, so the people, when they complained about the food from heaven, th there was some justification there. So although God was a little angry at them, but... But he gave them what they wanted because they were right. They were right. Food from heaven has no fiber. Actually, what you're saying is that it's nice to know that there is more to God than you'll ever know. And it would be nice to say that about a husband also. To say, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that there is more to my husband than I'll ever understand. But somehow it doesn't work when it comes to <laughs> when it's applied to the husband. It doesn't work for some reason. Maybe the Ebbetson, in various occasions, um, made made that kind of remark about the Rebbe, that there are things she can't, you know. And and that, and that and that that was nice. You know, like, you know, what's so great about my husband? I don't understand him. <laughs> what's so great about my husband? Sometimes I don't know where he is. Like he's someplace else I can't touch. I can't reach him then, you know. <clears throat> so it's nice to think that there's more to your spouse than meets the eye. And to enjoy that. To enjoy the fact that what makes him who he is, I will never understand because that's him and I am not him. But very often, it's precisely that that annoys us. I can't stand the fact that there's something about him that is him and not me. We're, we're totally possessive. So we fail to enjoy and appreciate the fact that what makes me, me, no one will ever know because I don't even know. It, it's just the way it is. I, don't, I can't explain it. I don't know it. I don't understand it. How can anybody else understand? And I want people to accept me that way, but I can't accept anybody else that way.
Everybody else has to explain themselves. I don't have to. I just am what I am. And you have to accept me that way. But if you do something I don't understand, no good. We are talking about sneers and about drawing a curtain. If a person draws a curtain, so you don't go peeking. Say, no, I must know what's going on in your mind. Why do you do that? How come you feel that? Why do you think that? But if you ask me, uh, you know, leave me alone. I am what I am. Not good enough for you? Tough luck. So we're not being fair. You got to be consistent. You want people to accept you in spite of the fact that you make absolutely no sense? But this this idea that that we don't we don't um, we don't grant others what we expect others to grant us. We really expect people to accept us as we are. And if I have to explain myself, and if I have to justify myself, and I have I always have to give you reasons for why and what, then then I don't want the relationship. But on the other hand, of the other person, I always expect an explanation. I always expect expect reasonable behavior. Always expect rational reasons. It's not. It's not nice. Yeah. So the more unreasonable I am, and the more uncommunicative I am, and the more mysterious I am, the, the more tolerant I have to be of other people's mysteries and uh, consideration, considerateness is very much grounds for a marriage. <laughs> but they don't have to know everything about them. Not, no, they don't. And not out of indifference. It's not like, well, I don't care. I don't know everything about you, but I don't care. I don't want to know you. <laughs> let's just get married, but don't bug me, you know. I don't want to know you, just let's get married and we'll... Not, not out of indifference. I, I'm not, I don't need to know everything about you because I respect and trust you. So you can be whatever you want to be because whatever you are is fine with me. Not that I don't care. No, even in the marriage, there are parts of you that you don't want to share. It's fine. There must be a good reason. You probably have. It's fine. You're entitled. But you only have so much of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's too much of that. We don't spend much time. <laughs> but there are couples like that. I'm sure you've seen couples like that. They They just do not... They don't enter into each other's lives, and yet they're happily married. Now, it depends on why you want to know. If a person says, I hear what you're telling me, and I understand what you want, but I don't understand why you want it, and I don't agree that it's important. And therefore, until you explain to me why you want it or why it's important, I'm angry at you, and I don't want to talk to you. That's... Right. Yeah, but that, that's a little bit out of line because that's creating uh, separation. 
that saying i can't i can't go along with this until i find an explanation the the ho- the kosher the ho- holier healthier way is to say look if if you really want it then fine is that applied to Torah observance? In what way? If someone wants from you to go against Torah. Again, the same thing is true. As a daughter, you want to accommodate your parents. As a Jew, you can't. Yeah, but as a person, you have to pick one of the two. Well, you can't. But you have to let them know that it's not that you're any less of a daughter. The daughter in you hasn't changed at all. Only God doesn't let you do this. So if you want to know about the other person, you want to understand their reasons, you want to understand their motivations, because you want to be closer, that's fine. But if you want to know their reasons and understand their motivations, because without that, you cannot tolerate them, that's not kosher. Because then you're saying the reasons and explanations are more important than our relationship. And that's not not good enough. The relationship comes first. And then understanding each other will make the relationship even better. And the same thing with Torah. If you're into the relationship, like we were saying before, you are the Jew, and when God says, excuse me, you say, I'm here, then you can ask any question you want and try to understand why God said, why God wants. But if you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't ask me to do things until you've explained why, then you've ruined the relationship. Then you've put reasons above the the relationship. And that's never good, because a relationship cannot uh, be created out of reasons. So if the reason is more important, the relationship will never be good. If the relationship is important, then reasons can be very helpful. So why is it that Jews sit around for 3,000 years asking questions about God? Why did God say this? Why does God say that? Why is this a mitzvah? Why is that not a mitzvah? How come this? How come that? That's because we're in the relationship. In the relationship, you can ask any question you want. But people who step out of the relationship and then start asking questions, they don't deserve answers. You know, like, if you're not my wife, don't ask me personal questions. If you're not into the relationship, then don't get intimate with me. If you're in the relationship, then anything we share helps. But the husband and wife who come to the marriage counselor, and the husband says, I can't put up with this anymore. I just can't take it anymore. I've had it with this relationship. Unless she can explain to me why, I, then don't explain why. How can I help? Well, what I'm saying is that before you start explaining the whys and the wherefores, first make them feel Jewish. Get them into the relationship. This woman said to the Rebbe once, in Yechidus, I uh, didn't raise my kids so well. Some of them are, are, are into Yiddishkeit, some of them are not into Yiddishkeit. I wasn't so good at this, wasn't so good at that. But the Rebbe, I'm telling you, I try my best. So the Rebbe says, so do I. <laughs> 
That's all anybody does. We try our best. And that's what counts. So if you can if you can make a Jew feel that he may have questions and he may have things, and, but he's very much like the Rebbe. He's as Jewish as the Rebbe. They both try their best. Then you're on solid grounds. That's what you find sometimes in the Torah, that somebody asked a question and the, and the commentaries all say, see that, he was evil, he was terrible, he was a scoffer, he was, a, he was an apocorus, he was this, that, and the other. Moshe comes to God and says, how come you do this? And everybody says, oh, he's a tzaddik. <laughs> Why? Why is he allowed to ask questions and, and uh, Asaph is not allowed to ask questions? Hmm? Asaph said, uh, yeah, I'll sell you the birthright. I mean, after all, I'm going to die. What do I need birthright for? Ah, see that? He's terrible. God sends Moshe to help the, the Jews, and he comes, and things get worse. So Moshe comes back to God and says, what did you do? You made things worse. <laughs> oh, he's a tzaddik. <laughs> Why? Because Asaph's question came after he had decided that he's not into this relationship. Moshe's question came because he is in the relationship. So you have, for example, a person says, if there's a God in the world, why did he allow my uncle to die in the Holocaust? That question can either be asked by a tzaddik or by an apicorus. When a person says, why me? Why me? Why is God making me suffer? That can be the question of a tzaddik, or it can be the question of an apicorus. A heretic. <clears throat> it depends on what is your relationship about. I mean, sometimes you hear a guy say, my wife drives me up a wall, I can't take it. And you know, it's fine, it's fine, they're... they're they get along, it's wonderful. And even when he screams, it's fine. And sometimes you hear a person say, my wife, uh, and you know it's all over. Because it's not the subject that they're screaming about, it's whether they're in the relationship or outside the relationship. If they're outside the relationship, then any criticism is deadly. That's it, one more criticism, it's all over because they're barely hanging together as it is. But if they're into the relationship, they can scream at each other and call each other names for 80 years, and they love it, and they'll stay married, and it's wonderful, and everybody's happy. 